Good evening, everyone. This is Courtney, and today is Sunday, January 17th, 2021. And I think what I'm going to start doing is talking a little bit about my whys. My conversation with my sister yesterday got me to thinking about being very clear on my why. So I have posted um, an older article that I wrote on Facebook some time ago about why I do what I do. But I also want to add that I, back in a while ago, my younger years in hosting events, I really got a lot of pleasure out of that. I love connecting people with each other. And I know there's a lot going on with the world and the Rona and all of that stuff, but I'm working on a way to bring people together and to be able to bond. So part of what I do in sharing stories and content is a way to let people know they are not alone in that I have been through a lot and I don't say that to reference bad things but amazing wild magical mystical adventures that I've been on just by trusting have a lot of faith and following my gut and I feel that space is important for people to have space to do that and I have always been blessed to have space to run wild and play and use my imagination and I think that is like the foundation of what it takes to get a taste of what freedom feels like. So with that I'm going to jump into the topic of the evening. So over on Instagram, I posted that I was going to follow up and share a little bit about my story. So it all started this morning, the 17th of January, when I saw an article from Health and Her You, and it was um, basically covering the name of the article that they linked back to was titled, Black Women Aren't Allowed to be Introverted by Sequoia Holmes. And it was written on August 23rd of 2019. And I commented that I have had a similar experience as it relates to being a Black woman in corporate America and basically being chastised for being an an introvert. Now, before I go on, I want to say that I'm definitely not an introvert, but Something happened at some point that I guess you can call um, that caused me to become an introvert. So what I posted on Instagram was a couple of bullet points. And so what I'm going to cover in this talk is um, how, one, how we don't have these conversations with our youth as we're pushing them to go into college and get a good job. The second one is that I'm going to cover on something about fighting and knowing when to fight your fight and when not to fight your fight. The third one is what I learned about myself since this all happened. And the fourth one is not being afraid to go on your journey and my life in Salt Lake City as a Black woman. The fifth one is how it relates to other recent IGTV videos that I've posted. And the sixth one is the best advice that I've gotten in that 
situation when I was in the fight. And the seventh is that I want to talk about the actual title of that particular article. So number one is having these talks and being able to have these talks and not always getting into a race debate. I, while I do respect that and while I also acknowledge that race plays a factor, I am at a point in my journey right now where I don't tie everything into race. Um, and maybe I'll do a different video about what shifted and what changed as it relates to that. But I spent 10 years of my life <laughs> doing that work and literally just woke up one day and was like, okay, it's time for me to move on and not be married to this life experience where everything that happens is as a, is a result of who I am based on my gender or my race. So now that I got that out of the way. So one of the things, if you know me, I talk a lot about the choices that we make in life and how a lot of times the only people that are applauded in certain circles are those who go the traditional route. It's less so now here in 2021 than it was back in 93, 98, even 2000. Um, so I acknowledge that. However, there are still a lot out there in the public eye who are very popular, who only give credit to those who got a great job or went to a fabulous school or even went to college. And then the fact that so many of us push our kids into going into college, even though we ourselves didn't find careers or satisfaction in taking that traditional route. And then many finding themselves having to pay ridiculous amount of student loans. And I've asked the question before, if we know it didn't work for us, if we know it didn't work for the majority of our friends, why do we continue to put such emphasis on this? And luckily, I was able to have a conversation with a lot of people on Facebook about this. And a lot of people were just saying that they didn't know what else to do. I think that's an unfortunate answer, but I do recognize that it is what it is. So with that, I want to say I was in the same boat. You know, I, I didn't really want to go to college, but I remember looking up the day before graduation and was like, oh, I don't really have a plan. What do I do? Go to college. And so I, I ended up at a college on a college campus and I hated it. And then after that, I just kind of I did my own thing. And I was fortunate in the process in that I always have been able to take care of myself and found quote unquote, good jobs. And when I say good jobs, I mean jobs that afforded me a lifestyle that um, offered me a lot of security, especially where I was at that point as a mother. And so I think the one thing that I remember looking back on in my early years in corporate America were the lessons that I had to learn that no one talked about. And one of those things were 
what it was like to work in a as a woman in a certain environment, what it was like as a black woman to work in certain environments, and then being thrown into a corporate environment where I was the only one of thousands, maybe there were two or three other black people on the campus that I was working on when I got transferred to Salt Lake City. And just having to deal with the education part of being around people who had never worked with a black woman and all they knew of people of color were what they called, and this is not my word, it's derogatory, they would refer to as boat people. And I didn't know what boat people were because I had moved from Arizona and it was diverse enough and we didn't really use any derogatory terms or anything like that unless it was in our own you know, circles with Black folks, but um, derogatory terms as it related to any other culture or race was like not something I was aware of. So I remember being around in the cafeteria and trying to get to know my coworkers, many of whom were um, born and raised in Salt Lake City. And they would say, boat people. And finally, when I asked someone, or I think maybe, I don't know, I looked at, I I looked, actually what happened was I met another black family in town and I mentioned it to them and they explained to me what boat people meant. And they um, basically said that it was a derogatory term. They were referring to um, Polynesian people who had actually ended up in Salt Lake City through mission work, but I'm not going to get into all of that because people then get really judgmental and be like, well, this is why I don't like Christianity and that. uh, That's not what this is about. So um, anyway, so that's how I learned what the term was. And I was really offended and I was taken aback because I was just like, okay, wow, like you're really bold to even say that. And then the fact that you say that in front of me, and is it because you think I'm different or is it the fact that you say it in front of me and then say something about me when I'm not around? So it was like this little mind game that was going on in my head. And even before 9-11 happened, I had started to distance myself because it was just been bombarded with so many questions. (laughs) Like there, I don't, I can't remember the company giving any diversity inclusion training or any of that stuff that many companies do now, but I don't think that's something that you can really teach anybody. You have to, someone has to want to do it. And so that was just tiring in itself. So, but then 9-11 happened. And um, after 9-11 happened, I, I can remember vividly of all, I remember walking into the campus the day that it happened. I had a long morning and there was this huge television that was like in the cafeteria lounge area and everyone was fixed on the TV. And I remember I looked over and I just saw like this, you you can't process it when you just look over. And I'm like, oh, why are they watching this movie? Then I realized it was the news. And um, I, I mean, everybody knows the story. So basically at that point, it just became like this completely ignorant, racist environment where they felt like anybody who didn't look like them or they didn't know who was safe was a terrorist. And there were posters on their cubicles and it was just a mess. And it wasn't my job to try to change these people's mind or to explain to them. I was there doing my job and I was just trying to go home and go to work and that's it. I was in a community where I didn't know any, I didn't have any family member. 
Um, I had made some friends at that point, but that was about it. So yeah, I started to withdraw. And so I'm I'm not going to go into that too much right now. But what I want to say about that is, is that there's little things like that, that people talk about it more now, but not even enough where it's like, how do you deal with these situations where people ask you questions? And I just want to stop because it's funny because what's coming to me right now is that it's funny because the most that I really see where people talk about these things that happen in corporate America as it relates to, and I don't mean corporate America, like where it's diverse now. I mean, there are a lot of people in the world, in the United States right now, specifically, who end up in small ass towns working a corporate job where they, they're the only one that looks like them. There are many who, um, you know, just <laughs> don't, we think of a lot of times when people talk, we talk about things in terms of larger cities, but there's thousands and thousands and thousands of smaller cities. And when I see these conversations come up, usually it's they're talking about hair and, you know, don't touch my hair. Don't ask me questions about my hair, this kind of thing. But it's so much more than that. And a lot of these companies, regardless of the size, they don't have like human resources or anything, an ombudsperson or mediation they don't have any of that. So a lot of people take it for granted that if you work in an environment that's like well-known, let's say if you work for, I don't know, Twitter or whatever, that everybody kind of operates like that. And I'm just using Twitter as an example. They got their own shit. I get it. So yes, I don't see enough of those conversations of for us actually preparing our kids for the bullshit that actually happens. And again, it's not always just to do with race. A lot of times it can have to do with gender. It can have to do with sexuality. It can have to do with just being from a larger town or being from a smaller town or whatever it may be. It's just, how do you handle it when you're being drilled and questioned and expected to be the educator for other people's lack of um, awareness or lack of their effort to actually get to know other people without putting someone else on display. So I invite all of you who are maybe encouraging or pushing your children to, or kids or whoever it is that you're watching, watching to have these conversations with them, right? Just, and don't expect for them to know and don't expect for them to kind of stumble across it as it relates to um, these matters. So I think that's all I want to kind of cover about that. So part two is knowing when to fight your fight and knowing when it's not your fight anymore. I'm going to find an article or maybe a video I did about this and link back to it. But just in short, um, I definitely don't engage in fighting every fight anymore as much as I used to when I learned how the universe was giving me signs on when to fight and when not to fight. And I'm bringing this up because a lot has been coming up lately as it relates to giving out general advice. And what I've realized is that a lot of times I will see people talk about, no, you shouldn't fight. You should just, you know, if you, you have to, you know, fight with someone or whatever. It's not meant to be, which in a lot of cases it is. 
true. That's true. But then there's a lot of times, sometimes there's some lessons that you can learn in putting up a good fight for yourself. But then there's some people who feel like they have to fight for everything all the time. And it's just like, okay. At the point where it starts to become a struggle or it's stressing you out, that's the universe, in my opinion, telling you that it's not your fight. So like I said, I have a very long video, not a very long video. I have a long video about this, but I'm going to just kind of give a little example. So the what basically what I'm talking about in the video is like what I've learned over time about myself is that given my energetic makeup, I enjoy a sparring match. I love to argue and not love, but I, I love, I like it <laughs> and I don't mind a good fight. And I've had some epic battles that have taught me a lot, but then there's also some battles I've walked away from because it was just like, it's not worth it. And only we can know if it's worth it or not. So one of the things that I've learned is that when like the universe gives me these little nuggets that will allow me to stay 10 steps ahead of my opponent, then I know that I'm in the battle fighting the fight that I'm supposed to be fighting in that moment to get whatever lesson it is, to play out any contract, whatever that may be, or it, it could be a whole host of things. So as long as I'm like, you know, I, I guess an example might be, let's say if I need to do some research and I need to find like some dirt on somebody, if I need to dig really hard or if I'm just coming up empty handed, it's not my battle anymore at that point. Right. And then if that's stressing me out and I'm like, oh, my God, like I can't find what I'm looking for on them to make sure that, you know, I'm not, I'm I'm still in the game and we're playing chess here. It's just signs that it's time for you to move on. You did what you can do. You played out whatever it needs to be played out at that moment. You played your part. They got their lesson. Because I think we all, all of this is a dance. It's all of it is a dance between all of us. But then when I have moments where it's just like, I'm getting everything that I need, everybody I need to show, everybody that I need to like win that fight or get ahead of that fight is showing up at the right place at the right time without me asking or having to do any extra work. Then it's like, it's a flow. So even in fights, there is an align, there's an alignment that happens and there's a flow that happens. Like it can be a dance, right? It doesn't have to be a full on. When it turns into a rumble, I guess that's the best way I can put it. When it turns into like some uncoordinated, ugly, drag ass rumble, for me, I know that the universe, God, whatever y'all want to call a higher being, source, is saying, Courtney, you did your part. Time to move on. So that's what I want to say about knowing to fight your fight before I go on any further. So part three, part three is basically what I learned about myself since all of this happened about 18 years ago and just how it relates to my own personal energetic makeup and the type of employee I was and the type of type of employer I became later on down the road. I don't like corporate America. <laughs> Basically, that's it. But at that time, I was 24, maybe 25, and I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. And it's not that my parents, or anybody else for that matter, told me that I couldn't do anything else. It was just there were no other examples around me of anyone that was self-employed, who traveled, and just at all, period. 
So again, I went to college, got out of college, got into a relationship, had a child, and just started playing grown up. And over the years, I realized I don't like to stay committed to one job for too long. I'm more of a launcher. I can, I'm a visionary. I can see something. I can create it, give birth to it, and then hand it off and be okay with that. And I think it's unfortunate that a not a there are not enough people out there in the world right now who really encourage people to figure out who they are before making a commitment into something. Um, And then learning about yourself so that you don't beat yourself up because the way you work or what interests you doesn't look like mainstream. And again, things are so much different now than they were back then. And I went through so much shit and had so many battles just trying to maintain my freedom when I finally walked away from it all a couple of years later. But yeah, so I'm saying all of this to say is what happened to me in that corporate environment in Salt Lake City didn't leave me bitter, but it taught me what I didn't like. I believe it happened for a reason. And then, well, not and then, because there are a lot of people right now who hang on to things and just, it's everybody else's fault as opposed to, could this possibly be leading me on the path that I really resonate with, what's in my heart and my soul? So learn about you first before going in search of answers. And I'm going to talk about this more in another completely different post as it relates to energetic makeups and getting advice from people who don't understand. (laughs) They may seem like they understand, but their makeup doesn't match ours enough for us to be taking advice and guidance from them because what works for them may not necessarily work for us. So yeah, no bitterness. I'm not angry. I'm not going to point fingers and be like them people because it wasn't like that at all. So part four is, it ties into part three a lot. And that is just me encouraging anyone to, who's thinking about it. If you are thinking about it, those it's happening for a reason. So I encourage you to go on your own journey. And I remember when they came to some of us who were at the original office in Phoenix and said, hey, we have an opportunity. We're opening a new campus in Salt Lake City. Would you be interested in going? And only a handful of us off, you know, wanted, were like, yeah, sure, maybe three or four. And, um, and it was like they paid for everything. They sent us there for a week to get to know the city, to look around, to see where we might want to live. You know, all those things that companies, I don't know if they do them anymore, but big budgets. <laughs> so it was nice. And um, and I remember people thinking, you're crazy. Like, one, why would you just get up and leave everything? You grew up here literally like on the same block all my life and go to a place of salt in Salt Lake of all places by yourself and why? And I was like, why not? Because <laughs> it's like, I have a job and my son was maybe two at the time or turning two. And um, yeah, people thought I was crazy. 
And so I was just like, it's an opportunity. If I don't like it, I can always come back or go somewhere else. Like I'm, th- th- there's no marriage here. And I didn't have to sign. I don't think I had to sign anything to say that I would stay a year or anything like that. It was kind of like, just come and try it out. And I think really what they were trying to do is to make sure that they had a mixture of people from their other offices with the people that they were going to hire locally so that it just wasn't just all local people. And it was a pretty diverse company overall. It just wasn't in Salt Lake City. And oddly enough, here's the thing that's so funny. At that time, I didn't know anything about Salt Lake City. I didn't know anything about LDS. It was just a completely different world when I got there. And it wasn't bad. It was just just completely different. Later on down the line, when I moved to New York, one of my favorite things to do would be to um, leave New York and fly directly into Salt Lake City because it is vastly different. It is like you are going on the opposite side of the world. Like New York is, you know, like busy and bustling and colorful and the sounds and the smells and it's grimy in most places (laughs) as in comparison. But you get to Salt Lake City and it's just open and it's beautiful and you get the mountain ranges and it's super clean. And for the most part, people are polite. And I know some people might disagree with me on this, but my energy, I've never had rude people. So, hey, (laughs) that's something you got to deal with on your own. But people have always been very polite. And I met some really amazing people, people who um, that have been friends of mine for the last 18 years white, black, whatever, all kind of colors and religious backgrounds. But it's just, it was just something that was just completely opposite. Um, And it was even vastly different from my like comfy life in Arizona. So um, yeah, go on your journey and get to know who you are. Now, and this is going to be a total plug. And this is one of the reasons why I do the Gateway to Freedom is because There are definitely key moments in our life that transform us and show us the possibilities and the options and what we don't like and what we do like. And if we want to keep going towards that or moving in a different direction, and if we don't have those experiences, we really don't know. And, um, you know, I could have even have just stayed in Phoenix. I I had already moved around at that point. So by the time I got the offer to move to Salt Lake City. And before I had my son, I had already left Phoenix, moved to Tucson to go to school. I left, then I moved to Tuskegee, Alabama, because I was going to go to Tuskegee and that didn't work out. And then from there, I drove over to Atlanta and then I ended up back in Phoenix. And then that's when I got the job for this particular company. And then I was sent off to Salt Lake City or volunteered to go to Salt Lake City. So I was already on the move for, and I had the, the, the bug in me for travel. And so why would I pass up an opportunity where I was being paid really good money to go and live somewhere else? So yeah, don't be afraid to go on your journey. So for part five, I think this all relates to the how-to videos that I've been doing lately, even down to the one on how to use um, InShot editing video. And some may think that's simple, but some people really struggle with that. And the retainer I did the night before about how you get paid and considering 
getting paid by retainer. So yeah, after that whole experience and I realized I'm not set up for corporate America, I had to teach myself all the tools that were not really available back then as it relates to being self-employed because there was no one around to teach me and there weren't all these websites and um, classes online and all of that stuff. It was like, literally, I had to like, okay, how do I build? What does that look like? How do I, you know, edit and taught myself how to build websites so that I could make websites for clients and, and all of that. And so ultimately I ended up, once I got it down packed and figure out, oh shit, this is pretty simple. I had a system in place. I started teaching other small business owners, little tips and shortcuts and holding workshops and so on and so forth. And so it was like, I had to really go through that experience of just being like, this shit is not for me. And then it led me down this um, amazing life of like being a location independent contractor, freelancer, that was great. (laughs) And so I really felt like there's some key components that we need to learn. A lot of times people will focus on one thing. They'll focus on just the billing. They'll focus on just the financials. They'll focus on just the technical. They'll focus on just talking about travel. And I think that's great because, you know, there's a lot of people that are masters of what it is that they do very well, but I wanted to share what worked for me and how there were some key things like the finances, not only managing our own finances, but um, how to get your money, what billing. um, And there wasn't even like a PayPal kind of thing set up or anything back then. It was like how PayPal is now. It wasn't like that. Um, How people paid you quickly, easily, what made it easy for them. Um, How to travel more affordably. I can't think of, there was like, I don't know, five, four or five different um, categories that I would teach people around that got them one step closer to their freedom. And I say this all the time. A lot of people talk about they want to work for themselves because they want to make more money. And it's just like, yeah, I don't always really start out like that, but it really comes down to people wanting their freedom and however their freedom looks to them. It might just be more flexibility to pick up the kids or more freedom and time that's available so they can travel, you know, it really just comes down to the freedom and even the freedom to set your own work hours or how much you're going to charge by the hour or how you're going to charge if you're going to charge by the hour. So yeah, it all ties in. And um, if you are interested in learning more about that, please be sure to go to my link tree and click on join and then click on the category gateway to freedom. If you want to become like an insider to get an idea of all these little different components that worked for me, especially if you're one that gets overwhelmed and you're like, I don't even know where to begin. I break it down very simply and I do it from 20 something years of experience. Number six is the best advice I got in that whole experience. And it's probably uh, five, top five pieces of advice 
that I've gotten over the years, and that was cover your ass. So what had happened was when shit hit the fan and I was just like, yeah, I'm not dealing with this or whatever. I, they ended up trying to put me on medicine and send me to a psychiatrist. (laughs) And so I was just like, yeah, I'm not crazy. And they were like paying for the psychiatrist and everything. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not crazy. Like this shit is real. And so then I, I took a step back and I went to an up a senior level um, manager. And she was someone that was really cool. She had come not from Arizona and she wasn't from Salt Lake. She had came in from like, I don't know, Seattle or somewhere. And she was bad, like just badass, right? Like when you watch those movies of those high power corporate women, that's how she was. And she was always really cool with me or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to deal with these other people over here. Like my immediate boss, I went to her the boss's boss, boss. (laughs) So I was like, I ain't got time to be playing games. And I went to her and I was like, look, you know, this environment is pretty fucked up. And she's like, yeah, I know. And I was like, this is what's happening. And you know, the whole bit just laid the story out to her or whatever. And she was like, yes, I understand. I've been there. I've witnessed some of what's been there when she was younger and like coming up in corporate America as a woman. And, um, she was, now let me just stop here because if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, but it's not the same as being black. Oh my God. Like, listen, (laughs) some shit you just got to get over at some point. And this is not what this is about. This is my story. So if you want to tell your story and you want to argue that it's different. Okay. I'm not going to knock that. I'm not going to disagree with that. Yes. There are a lot of things that's different, but I understood what she was telling me when she was sharing her story on what it was like for her to come up with a woman, come up as a woman in tech back in the day. Anyway, I digress on that. So she's telling me, you know, I hear you, I understand, and I believe you. And I was like, okay, great. So the next um, meeting where I had to like tell my story and get my my accounts back or whatever, I was like, you're going to be there. And she just looked at me like, nope. And I was like, what do you mean no? (laughs) So, and I'm laughing now because I think I probably had this shocked look on my face when she told me no, because I don't think anybody's ever really told me no. And then most people feel guilty about shit and then they do it like some martyr syndrome or whatever. And she was just like, no, she was just like, I'm not going to put myself on the line for this. Like, this is a fight you got to fight. And I don't, and I didn't get mad at her at the time. And it's funny, though, because I didn't. I didn't get upset with her and I didn't feel like, oh, you know, like you need to support me as a woman and you need to support me because I'm a black woman. I didn't even feel like that at all. It was just like I understood what she was saying. She was just like, this ain't going to be the only time you're going to have to learn to fight your own fight. And I was like, okay. And so I think I just kind of like processed it real quick. And then she said, all I can tell you is CYA. And I, this is how naive and young I was. And I was like, CYA, what does that mean? She was like, cover your ass. She was like, document every single fucking thing. And I was like, I like you. <laughs> I was like, word. And that has been the absolute best advice anyone has ever given me. And when I say my top five, I only have five. And that's probably like number one. Because not only did it help me in that situation, it was one of those moments where, like I talk about sound activation, where I hear something and it just like turns something on in me, like next level. And even as I went off on my own as an independent, it was like 
There have been so many times where people try to challenge you, get over you, whether they do it intentionally or not, but where you have to pull up some evidence and just re- now it's funny. We call it receipts. And so that was my first lesson in making sure you always have receipts. Number seven, we made it. So number seven is where I want to really kind of like talk about the article, the the title of the article. So what I wrote on the Instagram post was number seven was that um, first impressions and don't try to figure me out and how the title of the article didn't even necessarily sit with me well. I'm not judging it or anything, but again, this is some of the thing. This is something that I've learned over the years or whatever. So again, to recap, the title of the article is Black Women Aren't Allowed to be Introverted. And after I made my comment on their post, which I'll share in another segment on what I actually wrote, because I don't think I covered it here, is that um, I was just like, you know, words are very powerful. And if you know me, you've heard me talk before about why I, one of the reasons that I stopped dealing with um people and doing movement work is just a lot of it is around the language and it not being progressive and a lot of groupthink. And I tell the story of one day how I was with a group of people and they were getting ready to organize something. And um, they started chanting, one day we will win. And I just remember everything in my body was just like, nope, don't give your energy to this. And it's kind of like, the other song that people sing, um, We Shall Overcome. And I'm just like, yeah, them days is over. I have won. I have overcame. And yeah, I'm not I'm not giving my energy to that anymore. Not to say that is not important, but I think it's 2021 and it's time to come up with some new <laughs> some, some some new Negro spirituals. But anyway, so black women aren't allowed to be introverted. And I was just like we are allowed. We have to take up space. And as long as we, and I understand, and this is, again, nothing about the article or the author of the article. And, and the article was written in 2019. And um, it's just, I think a lot of times people read that and they're like, yeah, I can't do this and I can't do that. And it's like, as I always say, there's a difference between can't and won't. You can't do something is a choice that you, you know, like you, you, you just can't like, can't is necessarily a choice. You won't do something is a choice. Definitely. The can't ends up like, uh, it may make you feel uncomfortable. It may put you in a situation that you don't necessarily like, and it may not be all leisurely and the, the symbolism of American comfort, but you can do it. You're just choosing not to do it. So you won't do it. So as it relates to this article, it's like you are allowed to be introverted. Might there be some backlash with that? Yes. But I just feel like it just gives people a lot of um, reason to have excuses as opposed to going on their own journey and figuring out like this doesn't work for me. And I know and I'm going to say this, if anybody is listening who doesn't know me, I am the wrong person to be trying to say, well, I can't because I'm a single mom. Well, I can't because I'm this. I can't because I'm that. 
do not underestimate my stories <laughs> because I have done all of that under all of those little titles that we give ourselves that allow us to say we can't do something. I have experienced bouts of homeless just being stubborn <laughs> because I did something that people probably told me I couldn't do and I did it anyway and it ended up working out for me, but it made me uncomfortable for a little bit. But like I always say again, discomfort does not equal pain. We get the two mixed up. Um, so yeah, that just kind of really stuck out with me as it relates to words. But then at the same time, a lot of times, a lot of people will say, words are powerful. Watch your words. Speak highly into yourself. But it's like, do we really think about it when we give our energy to these kind of like really generalized um, statements? And again, I'm going to emphasize this isn't a judgment towards her or anything else like that. What I'm saying to those who know me, my listeners, the people that I work with is just remember to be very careful with your words. And then what we do when we read something. And my last reminder, as I always say, is read between the lines. So this doesn't have a part because I didn't talk about this on Instagram. And so I just kind of want to recap. So basically what happened was I saw an article on Health and Her You and I responded that I had a similar story and that um, because of a lot that was happening in the office, I ended up challenging them in the end. And after they tried to call me crazy, send me to a psychologist and put me on medication, I filed a claim in with the EEOC and ended up winning a significant amount of money back then. Um, and then after that, I kind of took some time off and um, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about how things work in the world. But anyway, so I went to um, back over to Health and Her You this evening to go find the link to the article. And I saw a comment on the actual post. And it's from someone on Instagram by at it's Marcelin. I'm not really sure if I'm pronouncing it right. If not, I apologize. But her comment is, and I quote, the other daily struggle is being passionate, extroverted, and direct black woman advocating for the black community. Double checking for aggressive or intimidating tones has been exhausting in those same settings. And I saw that and I was like, yes, that is it right there. And that I think maybe is like why I kind of felt some kind of way about the title of the article. And I was just like, because I'm not an introvert, the situation made me kind of like retreat and become an introvert, which is ultimately what got me into quote unquote trouble. But I'm not an introvert and all of us have our different makeups. And that goes back to what I was saying about it taught me a lot about myself and my energetic blueprint and how who I am as an employee. I don't operate like other employees. I'm very outspoken. If I can see that something can be done quickly or more efficiently than what has been done, I'm going to speak on it. And that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, whether it's a a supervisor or whether it's a coworker, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable because a lot of people don't like change and then some people think I'm speaking out of line or I don't know or whatever. But 
part of who I am is getting from A to Z <laughs> as quickly as possible and skipping all of the other letters in between while I understand that other people need that process. So to wrap up, thank you all for listening and please share your stories and let me know if you have any questions. I hope I covered everything.